0: Being an American who has now worked with my English counterparts for many years, I have adopted the national pastime of having a moan. Did you see that ludicrous display last night? What's yeah. Finger doing, Sheldon Walker on that earth? Which is what I would have liked to title this list 10 Fighters Just Having a Moan, because I feel like that phrase is more positive than calling someone a complainer. Which goes to my intention here, I am in no way calling these fighters out for complaining a lot, as many of them have legitimate moans. But they're certainly the most vocal of the bunch when it comes to what's bothering them, and I thought it would be fun to highlight their many grievous Today. I'm Tommy from MMA on point. A massive thank you to our channel Hall of Famers. And these are the 10 fighters who complain the most. Number 10, Colby Covington. What lands Colby Covington on our list is the lengths he was willing to go to in his complaining that all stemmed from his lost title shot against Tyron Woodley. If you recall, Colby would win interim welterweight gold against RDA, but lose his title opportunity and be stripped when he opted for a sinus surgery he needed that lined up with when the UFC wanted to make the fight. Besides going scorched earth on social media and in interviews talking about how he was the true and only deserving contender in the division, Colby decided, hey, maybe I'll try losing my job over this, when he live-streamed his conversation with Dana White about the title shot at a casino. Dana, what's up, bro? How you doing? How you doing? I just want an explanation why I'm not fighting for the belt this weekend. Stop filming. Come on, bro. Certainly a strategy. Your boss looked incredibly not happy. Then he waited outside by possibly Dana's car. Maybe it was just some random person's. I'm not sure this was ever confirmed. I found your car. Hey... Want Tyro to go shine your your uh, your rims some more, buddy? So no, I might just have to fuck your car up. When you come outside the palms, it might not look like that when you come out here on the And while this incident was the peak of his complaining, the man can't go a single interview about any topic without feeling slighted in some way and letting the world know about it. Number nine, Dylan Danis. We thought about putting Connor on this list since he very often has something to say about any negative commentary or words said about him, especially via Twitter voice note. That was an illegal knee uh, on the head of a grounded opponent. Shut up, Joe, you little filer. But The Apprentice has become the master and so Dylan makes more sense here. You, know, he you landed scared. nine punches in six rounds. Yeah. That's not oh, great, is it? It's because he was running, though. Even Connor was saying While it. While these days most of Dylan's complaining is about perceived shadow bans when one of his thousands of posts about Logan Paul's fiancé doesn't get 28,000 likes in the first 10 minutes, Connor's jujitsu jitsu coach turned undefeated Bellator fighter turned disqualified boxer has always been a bit of a complainer. There was that time he got kicked out of his own gym by Marcelo Garcia, something he still goes on about to this day. Then there was the quote 400-pound fat slob bouncer that choked him outside a New Jersey nightclub that he sued over the incident. He claimed he asked to fight on every Bellator card for the last two years, but Scott Coker was holding him back, something that is no longer an issue since his release from the promotion. It just seems that any problem or failure that ever comes up is always somebody else's fault, not to mention claiming The Matrix in any way is trying to silence you should be an automatic spot on this list. Knock, knock. Who's there? Whether in any way serious about anything or just one massive clout chase, Dylan is worthy of his spot. Number 8. Dominic Cruz There is one topic that you can almost guarantee commentator Dominic Cruz is going to have a moan about, regardless of whether or not he's even on commentary that night, and that is of course early stoppages. The guy just cannot help himself, and it all stems from his bout with Henry Cejudo for the Bantamweight title. Referee Keith Peterson called the bout after Cruz was dropped with a knee and was taking shots on the ground. Was it early? honestly, I don't really care anymore. Regardless of how you feel, though, what's relevant to our video today is that Cruz has never let it go. In the weeks after the fight, he had some famously unkind things to say about KP. So I've, I've just never had a referee that I felt so shaky about leading into the fight that couldn't make eye contact. It smelled the way he smelled. And I have accounts of fighters, Jeremy Stevens has told me, like he had to carry that dude back up to his room before. he so happy. Ever since that fight, Dom has been short on when it comes to any referee who steps in with even a slight chance that the fighter is still semi-conscious. And while this single issue was probably enough to get Cruz on this list, considering how often he's on about it, what puts him over the top is when he complained about colleague Daniel Cormier's commentary preparation methods. When it comes to DC, you know, I, I usually mute it. To me, from my experience, he doesn't do the homework. He he wants to get in and out, get the job done, make his money. That was not fair of you as a colleague to do that publicly. You told me. The reality is, what did I do? you said Dominic, even if you said... DC's my brother, right? They won't run that. They won't run that you say oh, that. With what did dude, I, why don't you just do some <coughs> research and you come and Damn, see what top. Top. So <laughs> Something that played out after, as Dom also often complains, the media twisted his words about what it is he meant about DC. What I regret, I guess, is where I said it. I, maybe I shouldn't have said it there because then that allowed the media to take it and do whatever they wanted. I will say at least Dom is a very entertaining complainer. Number seven, Rampage Jackson. For a guy named Rampage, Quentin Jackson certainly Likes to use his words to address his grievances, which is a good thing, but it would make for a pretty unexciting nickname. While he doesn't necessarily have a reputation for being a complainer among fans, what I, the fuck you doing here? It's not Christmas yet. You're a grumpy motherfucker. Good start, rampage. Yeah. First hey, in minutes, and f- you're starting a fight with uh, Santa Claus. Fuck Santa. Jackson takes issue with just about anything and everything, whether it's Joe Rogan's commentary because he's so biased against jiu-jitsu guys. You can you can hear it in his voice. Whenever a guy is a jiu-jitsu fighter, Joe Rogan might as well be like playing old. The, Rusted trombone like, hmm, you can do this you got (laughs) or other fighters spying on him or ripping him off or his nutritionist for experimenting on him or for the UFC mistreating him or Pride FC poisoning him before a fight. Rampage Jackson is certainly not shy about letting anybody know he's not happy about something. It's Jackson's quippiness that saves him from the annoying label and puts him a bit lower on our list. Number six, Michael Bisping, steroids. If I could sum up this entry with a word, it would be steroids. There has perhaps never been a fighter more vocal about PE these than Michael Bisping. Anytime somebody says it was a tainted Tempted supplement, so, yeah. it's bullshit. If, if you text you can kiss my ass. <laughs> and to be fair, the guy literally lost an eye because of Vitor Belfort, who was trt'd out of his mind when they fought. Or Absolutely, level. looked like fucking <coughs> the Incredible Hulk, right. you know. But in hindsight, you can look back and say, "Holy fuck, yeah. what was I thinking?" You know, this guy's fucking roided out of his mind. So the count has every reason to go on about the use of performance enhancers, as he has a literal constant reminder anytime he looks at anything. Throughout his late career, if Mike even sniffed a hint of superhuman ability, or worse for his potential opponents, the difference is that he can't take steroids anymore because of Usada. Any actual history of failures, Bisbean was quick to let everybody know what he thought about the topic in his classic venomous delivery. No, no Viagra. No, no, no. Just my your face. When it comes to that English tradition of having a moan, Mike Bisbean is perhaps one of the best. And while his ire has been largely focused on PEDs and the fighters who use them, he's not opposed to bringing up any other issue that might be bothering him. It's one of the reasons his YouTube channel is so successful. Number five, Gegard Musashi. For my money, the most entertaining complainer on this list is without a doubt Gegard Musashi. The deadpan delivery of his many issues accented with hilarious amounts of snark, largely stemming from his perception that he was not getting the opportunities he deserved or the promotion that his high level of ability warranted were just the best. It was a pretty consistent chorus when he was in the UFC. I'm not getting paid enough. I should be a star based on my ability and my win you people value stupid stuff you you tell me is popularity contest we can do a catwalk i don't know i think i'm underrated throughout my whole career i don't know maybe i'm from holland people don't care people are stupid what can I say? And this is all very dumb and probably pointless, but I'm going to try anyway. I love it. I love the cynicism, especially because he delivers it most of the time with a smile on his face. Well, when you get screwed, you're going to say that. They should pay me more. I'm more work more. I see some fighters getting a lot of money. Uh, I've defeated them. Dan Henderson, he's a legend, but... Uh... He's old. And while he would leave the UFC on a five fight win streak, largely because of the issues he was railing on and on about, luckily for everyone, his complaining did not stop when he got to Bellator. Uh, that, that guy did. looked like a horse. You, you, you can see a different, uh, like a picture of him, and then he looked like a muscular when he's 35. There's not even a little bit steroid, steroids. There's like a monkey steroid. I don't know. We need a Gegard Musasi podcast. I would listen to that guy be sour about anything. Call it the Gegard Musalti show. Somebody make this happen. Number four, The Gracie. Okay, I know it's a bit unfair to say the Gracies all together, and of course, their contributions to MMA are beyond invaluable. They really are one of the most key figures in all of combat sports. That said, though, they've never lost a fight that wasn't in some way somebody else's fault, and they will gladly let you know that is the case. They just really can't accept losing. Hickson was, of course, famously undefeated, but he did lose the 1993 U.S. Sambo Championship. However, it was because he said he was not explained the rules properly. Hoyler never actually lost to Sakura because he didn't submit the referee stopped the fight. Not the same thing. He would have kept going with his broken arm. Hell, this goes back nearly 100 years ago with Carlos Gracie and Hafino Dos Santos, with Gracie walking away during the match and refusing to accept that he'd lost. I even feel a bit weird about not considering Hoist throwing in the towel after making his way to the cage to fight Harold Howard at UFC 3 a loss. So chemo ragdolled you for four minutes. If you're not injured, why aren't you fighting? I digress. That's an argument for 2 a.m. at a bar. There's also the Gracie rules. Much like Raven in WCW, If you wanted to compete against a Gracie, you likely had to agree to some sort of special rule set, or you weren't going to get the opportunity, and they were plenty vocal about it and a bit jerky. We invented the sport, we make the rules, the rules that happen to favor us as much as possible. Perhaps the most hilarious response to one of these demands came after Hoist Gracie stipulated that there'd be endless rounds for his Kazushi Sakuraba bout, prompting the Japanese fighter to joke that he would have to borrow a diaper from his son, since they'd be fighting all week. Don't get me wrong, I love the Gracies as much as anybody, but in their day there wasn't a single fight that didn't have them complaining about something. Number three, Nick Diaz. I'm a massive Nick Diaz fan, truly as big a fan as it gets, and much of what he's had to say and much of what he's been bothered by is honestly valid. His now infamous rant after his NSAC hearing was on point. <laughs> he said it, he said it. All these motherfuckers are on steroids. I'm like, y'all can get knocked the fuck out. All of all, all, all these whole little... Everybody in the room right now. And he was right to fight against the ridiculous suspensions he received for his pot use, something that time has proven him a pioneer on. He also had reason to be suspicious of the weight allowance in the GSP fight, even though I don't believe anything untoward happened. Was the UFC trying to sell you all wolf tickets that you ate right up? Certainly, many times. But for all the very legitimate raging against the machine that Nick has done, there are other complaints that are a bit more out there. Probably the most famous that somebody poisoned him before the GSP fight. They poisoned my IV with some kind. weird ass joke i slept 14 hours i'm like would you put my iv dude but hey if we get the occasional silly one mixed in with a lot of power checking in mma by a guy who really did do everything he could to push back against the system i will gladly take it number two mark hunt not many fighters can say their complaining got to an official level as in filing a civil complaint but that's exactly what happened with mark hunt i don't hate mark hunt at all i never hated mark hunt he knows that i was actually really good to mark hunt Now it is fairly well documented that Mark Hunt does not like cheaters, and he has let that be known for many years. As he would have several run-ins with fighters who had either tested positive in the past or would test positive after their fight. Really irritates me up my skin that I have to share the octagon with guys that have cheated to get here. Hunt told Players Voice in 2017. Everyone says the first Bigfoot fight is one of the greatest heavyweight bouts of all time, but not to me. It's stained. That guy ruined everything. You take away his juice, and he's nothing. The first fight we had, we nearly killed each other. The second. Fight when he was clean, he didn't even last a round. And of course, the entire UFC 200 Lesnar testing debacle would result in Hunt's most famous rant on the topic. Fuck you, you're getting sued. You scummy cunt. Fuck the UFC. You're shit. You motherfuckers don't look after nobody. Well, will let this fucking white piece of shit fucking sticking needles in his ass and say, oh, let him cheat all the way to the fucking bank. That man is not monetization friendly, is he? Mark's lawsuit over the situation with the UFC and Brock Lesnar would unfortunately not go well for him, but in the years since, he's been more than willing to speak his mind on not just people. DEDs, but fighter pay as well, saying in the same player's voice interview, I'm just speaking the truth, a lot of fighters are scared too. He also has some epic IG caption rants. The guy knows how to file a complaint. Number one, Tito Ortiz. Ah yes, the Thorn and Dana White's side for so long. What an interesting relationship those two had. On the one hand, here's a guy who really was for a time the face of US MMA, and you have him as one of your top draws, but at the same time, there could not have been more issues. Tito's long absences outside the cage were usually related to pay. Him and Dana broke up 5,200 times. I mean, they almost had a damn boxing match, which, by the way, Tito complained about just last year to Patty. It was supposed to be uh, 50-50 on any money that was uh, revenue from the fight. And then when it came about to the contract to sign, and I've always signed a bout agreement for a fight that I was doing, that wasn't in it. I wasn't making nothing out of it. It was a lose-lose situation for me. Ortiz, while normally a bit less than articulate on most topics, musters every bit of what he's got to talk about Dana White, and has had some pretty biting things things to say about him and the UFC over the years. So the first cut the first cut I seen, Micah Brown, who's actually the director of the film, he sent it to me and there were some things that just, uh, they were assassinating my character. I got pushed into a fight that I didn't want to do. Me and Chuck were supposed to be boys. We were training partners at the time. We fought for pretty much pennies. Those guys made over uh, 35 million dollars in pay-per-view. I made 150 grand, Chuck Liddell made 150 grand, and they walked away with the rest of the money. The relationship that I had, you know, with um, my former uh, boss, uh, it was never a good one. It was just, I was always looking over my shoulder looking, you know, what he's going to say something about me now, you know, Um, and it's a year later and he's still talking about me and I'm not even employed by him anymore and they're still talking smack on me. And Whenever Ortiz has made a major move, be it when he went to Bellator in 2014 or had his cursed trilogy bout with Chuck Liddell, he's been sure to talk about how White and the UFC mistreated him and others. And while there are certainly other things he complains about, especially now that he's more politically minded, it was his constant back and forth with the UFC and White over just about anything that has earned him his top spot. You know who Tito has never complained about, though? The editor of this video, Luke Taylor. Please show him all the love you can on his socials. The guy is just awesome. And please go check out his YouTube channel. You'll never hear me complain about our channel champions. They're freaking amazing. If you would like to be one of them, hit that join button. You get all kinds of cool exclusive content. But hey, liking and subscribing would also be great. Who do you think complains the most? Let us know down in the comments below. And thank you so much for watching this one. I We'll see you when I see you.